0: You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following
1: message. Let's jump in.
0: Go to Ephesians. We going to Ephesians chapter four, wrapping up this series day in Ephesians, and um, uh, we. Uh, and the reason I'm in it on chapter four is you already heard from Pastor Steve Holsinger. he gave great messages on the context of marriage, family, those kinds of things. Ephesians six and five, Or Ephesians five. and you heard uh, Terry and Theda Shank; they give great message content as well on family and communication different things like through Ephesians five, great family content. So if you didn't hear those. Go back and listen to those. And that is into the whole series on the armor of God, Ephesians chapter six. So I'm not going to go into those. Uh, passages in this series, but I'm going to end with chapter four today. All right. So we're going to read starting. We're going to read the whole chapter today and I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. I'll take context out of or verses out that I'll read to you out of the New American Standard when I want to break it down a little further. Okay. So, um, Ephesians chapter four, let's, let's start there in verse one. Paul says, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been called by God always be humble and gentle, be patient with one another, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. So in this first part of Ephesians 4, Paul starts out and he talks about calling. And before I Uh, getting this too far i know that uh, for some of us you may think well i'm not called uh, pastor jody that's for pastors and uh, televangelists and missionaries and all those kinds of people that's that's different that's a different kind of calling but paul notice he doesn't say here that he's referring to his ministry calling look at what paul says first he says therefore i a prisoner for serving the lord He doesn't reference his calling at this moment as an apostle. He says, I'm a prisoner of God. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. And all of us are called. uh, in, In some capacity or another, we're all called. You may not be called to be a preacher, but you are called. Paul, in this aspect, he was called as a prisoner of the Lord. I mean, he spent more time in jail probably than he did in the pulpit. And you might think for some people like, well, that's not fair. Uh, look at what, what happened. That's just not right. But if you think about it, if Paul hadn't been in jail as much as he was, you probably wouldn't get as many letters as you did. Sometimes what God does in a way that you think it's a prison, sometimes is a way of preparation for something you don't even see. It's very frustrating for us in it, though sometimes we say, well, God, this is what we need, this is what we want. But sometimes God is saying, yeah, but Joseph, if I didn't put you in that pit, you wouldn't understand how to be humble and learn and listen to me and to help deliver the whole world through a feeding program. If Joseph had had his way, he would have given the vision that he had been given by God to his parents and went on down the road through that avenue versus going the avenue of God, which is through the pit, through a palace, through a prison, and then eventually becoming a prime minister. But see, we don't sometimes see those things. So let me give it to you, the New American Standard version. Let me uh, put this on the screen for you. You may not have this version. It, it is available on U version. We have that available. If you want to, you can download that app and get it on your phone and do that. Um, and there's New Living translations in the seat. But this one, you may not have a copy of this one with you. Uh, Paul says, "Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and greatness, with patience." showing tolerance now that's a word that has been so overused in our community and culture today is showing tolerance Uh, it is amazing to me how so much tolerance is given to everybody except to christians god forbid a coach wants to pray on the football field you can't do that anymore but you can do anything else you want to do but the the word tolerance is a very interesting word paul saying you should show tolerance to one another in the new living it says make allowance for each other's faults now you know what it means to make allowance right That means, you know, when you were a kid, maybe you got allowance, maybe you didn't. I don't know. If you didn't, I hate it for you. Get over it. Ask the Lord to heal you of that little issue and then to move on, right? But make allowance means if you have allowance, what is that for? You are given allowance. You can spend it on what you want and uh, those kind of things. You may not have as much as you want, but allowance means you've got to have some that you give for the expenditures that are necessary. So if I'm going to make allowance for one another's faults, his Paul tells me to do, I need to understand coming into this right now that I'm probably going to get offended by you at some point in our conversations. So Paul says, make allowances for what? Each other's faults or shortcomings. It means I'm not like you and you're not like me. If you hang out with Haley and I in about five minutes, look, we're by ourselves. It's funny when you get the kids away, no kids around, Ah! i need this mommy 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 it's like you know nonstop. it takes about i think it took her about a day and a half just to detox from all the mommy 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 you know she's finally like she's i think she's looking around thinking did i call my name i don't know you know but i we're talking the more we talk the more you realize hey we're not the same we're just not the same at all she looks at me one time and said are you listening to me i said yes i'm listening to you no you're not i said how do you know i'm not you're not in my house. Can you tell me I'm not I li- am listening. She goes, you're not listening to me. I'm like, woman, I'm listening to you. You can't tell me if I'm listening to you or not. And before you know it, five minutes with no kids around or anyone else that's been distracting us all this time, we're fighting about, you're not listening to me. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. And it's ridiculous. What should we have done? It took us a minute. We realized, wait, we're on our anniversary. Let's go eat some really fat-laden content food and be happy. There's nobody around. Let's enjoy our time together. We, had to, we should have made allowances for each other's faults. Those are faults. They're not issues. You don't, you don't, that's not something you're going to court over, you know? Now, I should have, you know, threatened to break my legs, come after me with a baseball bat. Okay, we might have had some issues. But a fault is something I'm supposed to make a, that means you're going to offend me. And I should make allowance for that. And watch this, I'm going to offend you, you should make allowance for that also. As adults, that's what we do. Now, kids don't do this as much. You understand, like on the playground, this is why boys got into fights a lot. And girls, man, I mean, they fight, but it's different. Y'all ladies are vicious. I have never, listen, I got three girls. Y'all are vicious. How many men tell me the truth, guys, on the playground. Boy says something about you, you talking, he said this, you said that before you know it. What are you doing? You get up. One of you's got a, you know, maybe a little blood. You get on the floor, you wrestle. Most time it's not really much of that. It's mostly just, you know, it ain't really a fight. It's just a talk, you know. But you push and shove. When it's over, what do you do? You get up. Hug oh, it out. Hey, Mexican, you're playing again on the playground. Man, girls. Like, kids, crazy. I've never in my life, because I'm a guy, I don't get it. I go,
1: what?
0: I mean, they are genius. Like, they should put y'all in charge of stuff, like, big time secret. Like war stuff behind the scenes, like y'all could do it and take them down, man. They would never
1: even know.
0: And then when you're done, man, y'all so pretty, y'all walk out like, hey. And they will think it was the guys that did it. And how many guys have gotten in a fight because a girl said something and you thought, it, and it wasn't, and it was just, and she walks away going, <laughs> she knowing. There's a reason why Lucy pulled the football out from Charlie Brown every time. You don't see a guy doing that maybe once. That girl did it every time. Why? Because Charlie Brown, deep down, he liked Lucy. He didn't want to say it, but he liked her. That's why he kept falling for the same trick over and over and over again. But we're different, and it's okay. But we should make allowances for each other's faults. Why? Because when we love Christ, when Christ loves us, we show tolerance to one another in love. We should be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Why, Pastor Jerry? Because there's one body, one Spirit, just as also you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and all. So this idea of calling. Every one of you are called to something. God called me to do ministry. That's my calling, okay? But do not undervalue and think because you're not a preacher that you're not called. That's not true. I can show you 1 Corinthians 12. I don't have time to do all this today. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12, about the gifts and the callings of God. The Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. means God won't take them back. Whatever he gifted you to do and graced you to do, it's a gift from God. It's not you. Sometimes we think we're talented. Do we not? I mean, you think, I'm talented. I'm gifted. That's not you. That's God. God either gave you talent or he gave you a gift. Either way, it's up to us to develop it. But that calling that to use that was given to you by God. Maybe you're in business. Maybe you're in sales. Maybe you're in construction. Maybe you're in nursing or in the medical field. Or maybe you're over here. If I go to, the, to Redmond and I go over to one of the hospitals at Floyd, whatever, let me ask you a question. Do you want somebody who thinks they're called or do you want somebody that's called working on you? Give me the one who says, I was put here by God. That's the one I want. I want the one that says, I love medicine. I love it to see people. I love doing their charts. I love to do this shots. I hate shots. You don't want me working on you. Man, I would mess you up. I hate shots. You'd be in trouble. I give you the wrong thing. Like, what is that? That's the green vial. That looks good. Give them that one. (laughs) Let's just get on. I hate that. I hate medical stuff. I don't like it. Whenever I go to the hospital to pray for people, I hand sanitize about a thousand times. When I come home, I have washed, I feel like I'm getting ready for surgery. I mean, I'm just like, I just, ugh. there's some people in y'all in this room, y'all love it. You just go in there, it's like you open the hospital, the germs could be everywhere, you just like step in it, like, thank you, Jesus, I feel the anointing, cause all, you just love it, and I thank God for you, cause I'm not wired for that, but don't you, aren't you thankful that there are people who are called to do medicine, and you go to those people why? Because they are called and gifted, and they love it. They love to treat you and help you. It's the same way in any other area. You are called, my brothers and sisters. Figure out what it is and do that for the glory of God. Because in your calling, you may minister to people right where you are. There's some of the guys I help with in law enforcement as, as when I chaplain over at the city. You'd be surprised how many of them are former military. They've came out. They're veterans. And they have finished their time in service. They come in, and they go into law enforcement. Now, I get it. You've probably gotten a ticket or something like that. Maybe you had a run-in, and you don't like it, and this and that and the other. Okay, I understand. I understand. However, they feel called to what they do. And you'd be surprised how many of them, if they have to pick up somebody, will sit there and talk to the individual on the way back. Now, listen, Fred. Now, why did you go back over there? I don't know, man. You know, I don't know. You knew they was going to call when you came back over there. Why didn't you just let it go? Man, I just couldn't let it go. Why couldn't you let it go? Because I was angry. But Fred, every time this happens, I know, I know. And they'd pray with them, try to love on them, but they don't have any choice. They're bound to do what they're called to do. I'm telling you, you'd be surprised. And guys in business, guys in medical, guys in things, and they pray with people. I mean, there's people that work at a coffee shop, I haven't been with the one downtown. They, they, they have a coffee shop, and they minister people when they come in. They feel like God called them to be a, a barista. Is that how you say it? Barista? Barista? Barista. They run the little machine. I didn't know that was a thing until, you know, Starbucks came along. I thought you just made coffee. But it's a thing now. You've got to be crafted, man. You make hearts in the coffee and all that kind of stuff. It's a big deal. But they feel like it's their calling to minister to people. I mean, I've been in retail stores. People sit there and smile and say, hey, Pastor Jody, did you know this was over there? They love what they do. Look at it as calling, not a job. Look at it as calling. So why is this so important? Because when you're called, you realize I'm to make allowance for you and the faults that we each have. Now listen, if you hit me with a baseball bat, I'm, I'm not going to overlook that, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. That's not easy to overlook. I'm talking about the normal stuff. The dude didn't open the door for you. Okay, maybe he didn't see you. Oh, he saw me. You've got to let that go you got to let that go. Well, they just didn't put ketchup in my fast food bag. Come on, man. That, you got to let that go. Now, if they start throwing food at you, okay. But you got to let some things go. Why is this important? Paul said, let's go to verse 7. He's given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives, and he gave gifts unto people. Notice this that he said he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. That is the nativity scene, if you will. Christ, preeminent before the world and foundation of the world began, he existed. Before the beginning of the world was therefore before there was pastures, before there was oceans, he existed. And the Word became flesh. Nativity scene, Christmas time, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld the only glory, of the begotten of God he became a man for us, and he said, so to speak, and our Savior for us. But he descended to our lowly world in verse 10. And the same one who descends is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. That is the resurrection. I'm sort of this because this may it sounds a little weird. Who's he, he that descended and ascended and all that? He was before the beginning, he descended to the earth, and then he ascended back to the throne, where he now sits at the right hand of God, and never intercedes for you and I. He is the resurrected Christ, but he has now ascended. He is not, when he comes back again, he's not coming back to do anything about sin issues. He's coming back to restore the world to it, to the way he created it to be. But he says, verse 11, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. We just went through a series called Ecclesia. So <clears throat> if you want to go back and listen to that, but this is the gifts that he gave to the church. He didn't mean that these are the only gifts that he gave. He just said to the church this is what he gave. And he goes through them. He says they're apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So the responsibility of preachers, if you will, for the lack of a better term, is to do what? Equip God's people to do what? Let's say it together His work, not Pastor Jody's work, not Cornerstone's work, but his work on sundays when we serve when there's one if i just met some of our new nursery uh workers in the back and ministers i talked to them for a few minutes before all the babies start coming in wonderful folks sweet people they're so excited i said you guys are like overachievers they were here like 30 minutes before i was like man there's not gonna be babies for a while you're so early They're like we're just so excited i was like this is so awesome they're here to serve the lord in this capacity they love they love what they're doing but that's helping to disciple people on a Sunday. But what about Monday through Saturday? Our job is to help equip you for what? His work outside of just Sunday morning. When you're on your job, when you do what you do, and here comes somebody up. And you may not, because your job, I understand certain restrictions here and there that are on jobs and all that kind of thing. But for the most part, most of us have enough flexibility where if the Lord prompts you to pray for them, I bet you can do it. I've been in, you know, before in a place where the Lord has asked me, maybe a restaurant with a friend or something. And the server comes over, and you feel this like, I just need to pray for them. And maybe the service was bad. You know, they messed up your food, it's been cold, dropped your water, whatever. And, and it's just been not a great day, and you just feel like, man, I need to pray for them. And you know what would happen if you stop? Just, just give them about 20 seconds to pray with them. Number one, they're going to be shocked. Because on Sunday, if you don't, on Sunday especially, they, they already don't like most of us on Sunday. Surprise, they don't. They don't. Because we, many times, are some of the most demanding people. And they know on Sunday where they coming from. Well, they know they're not from the bar. Let's come on, let's be right. I mean, They know bar open at 11 or 12 o'clock in the middle of the day. They come stumbling in there. Well, them guys are from the bar. That's why they are. They always say, "Oh, that's them Christian bunch. Be different. Be the one, if you're going to go out and eat, if you're going to be like the rest of them, don't go out and eat. Just don't go. But if you're going to be different, tip good and say thank you. And when they make mistakes, say, hey, look, it's okay. It's not really what I ordered. You know, I really wanted the chimichurri or whatever, but I got the taco. I don't like a taco. But it's okay. I can eat. Are you sure? Nah, it's okay. But it, I really prefer that if it doesn't take too long. You can be nice about it. You don't have to say, well, what's wrong with you? I mean, have you ever waited a table in your life? I mean, don't do that. Make allowances. But pray for them. Pray for them. I've been in stores before where I go to pick up different things for our house or whatever. And I've stopped and I've prayed with people right there. I've never had anyone turn me down yet to pray for them. I didn't say I led them to Christ and they was crying all over the floor and everything. I just stopped to so, take hey, can I pray with you? You'd be surprised how many people would accept that. But he says, these are what we do. We equip God's people to do his work, to build up the church, the body of Christ, And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. This word mature is something I was telling a couple of my friends because we are from different denominations and we all get together as pastors. And I told them, I'm convinced of something. Over the past couple of years, I'm convinced of this this one thing. That I think the number one thing that differentiates all of us in denominations is this. It's maturity. I don't think it's you believe this and I believe that and I'm a part of this group and that denomination is what we... I don't believe any of that. I believe it's maturity. Because I've found people in some of the most liturgical faiths have some of the greatest maturity and have a greater witness for God than some who would say I'm over the most uh, charismatic side of things and I believe all of these different things. And I can, well, I can really do something for God. But I've seen it on vice versa. I've seen it on both sides. And the one thing I've seen that makes the biggest difference is maturity. A Christian who is mature has a greater witness than those who are not mature. Can I get an amen? Thank you. Because I wanted if we was like, are we asleep at the wheel this morning? I don't know. Y'all just thinking right now. Okay, it's good. But it's maturity. Paul says this in verse 14. He says, Then if we become more and more like Christ, if we mature in our faith, then we'll become more like Christ. Verse 14, he says, It will no longer be immature like children. Now, if you're a kid, hang out, hang tight. This is not an offensible thing. Just hold tight. Make allowance for my communication right here. It's not a bad thing what Paul is saying. And I'm going to do a series on the heart of a child starting next week. But right now, listen to what Paul is saying. If, if he's saying we'll no longer be immature like children, we won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Now, this word children right here is the word infant. It's not a child like maybe a five, six, seven-year-old in the room. It is a baby. A baby that is still nursing. Now, that... Little baby, if a baby's still nursing, how many know that child has no real ability to do much on its own, right? I mean, we hadn't had one of those around the house in a while. But I can remember how many times in the middle of the night, like you got no sleep. You just go, it's a wonder, you know, it, it, you, you you even function. After how many times you get the middle of the night, you're carrying the baby. And I bring her to Haley. This is the baby. Five minutes, I'm out. And she's going, okay. Okay, she's done. Okay, get up. this wasn't always. Many times Haley got up and just did it herself. But, you know, you're back and forth, and she was getting no sleep, and I was getting no sleep. But that's only for a season. Eventually, that baby goes from infancy to those preschooler years, which everybody wishes they could go back to infancy. Because at least then you had a pack and a play and a crib. Our little stroller thing. With the first one, when she got out of that stroller, the little one that we had we could roll around with, she had seatbelts. <laughs> you had her, you know, you ain't going anywhere. Just freak out, Wah! give her whatever. But once they get out, they're like gremlins. You know what I'm saying? They just change everything. Just crazy for a while. Preschoolers. And then, you know, it kind of calms down for a bit. And it's like kindergarten, elementary, whatever. And then you go through this, and then, lo and behold that there's something, and I was in kids' ministry, so I taught it, and I told all the parents about how you deal with them. But there's these things called preteens. You got one yet? No, you got one. You got one yet? If you got them little ones right now, I'm just telling you, get ready. You had not seen anything yet. Preteens. That means they're not teenager, but they're not the other either. They're somewhere in between, and man, they get a little wound up too. And then the oldest one starts driving, and they all reverted back to what I did before. My middle one asked me the other day, she said, Dad, did you guys ever want a boy? I was like, well, it feels like a loaded question. <laughs> Remember, she's female. Remember, I've learned some stuff. Be careful how I answer this. I need a moment to think about this. I'm just telling you, all vicious. You think I'm making that up, man? Every guy in the room knows. He looked at me. He didn't say nothing. He looked straight ahead and said, I ain't saying nothing, man. You crazy for saying that because he's scared. He's scared sitting right there. He didn't want to say it, but he knows it's true. But anyway, I'm sitting there going, and I said, baby, my prayer, this is the truth. We just wanted a healthy baby. I just was thanking God. I just, I just I've been through enough ministry, and my prayer was, God, I just, whatever just, just Lord, I just pray that everything will be okay. I found myself, you'd be surprised, but when she's, the oldest one starts driving, my prayers have gone back to, God, I don't really care about anything else. Would you just help her? Make sure she's safe. It's funny how you revert back to the prayers <clears throat> when they were infants. like. And if some of you got them older and all that stuff, you say, Pastor, you ain't see nothing yet. I get it. I get it. I'm learning, I'm on job training, I understand. But it's like my prayer has just changed. And when Paul says this about children, infants have no control over their environment. An infant is trusting whoever gives her or he, the bottle, that it's something good, nutritional, and it's safe. They can't even regulate the temperature. That's why they teach you to do that whole, when you're doing the milk bottle thing, uh, Haley told me when I, was, when I first started, I would do it like here. And she said, you can't, that's not, you can't trust that. I said, what do you mean can't trust? It's my hand, I'm my woman, I don't know what I'm, I saw the thing, the guy went like this, it's, it's fine. She goes, Jody, no, because this side of your hand is not as near as sensitive as this side of your wrist. And I, learned, I thought, oh, she's right. I went, Jake, and I thought, well, that woman is, boy, she's something. She's smart. But an infant wouldn't know that. You know what an infant would do? It might burn, but they'd keep drinking it. Because when you're hungry, you'll eat or drink anything. So when Paul talks to us about the infancy in Christ, he is saying to us in verse 14 that these are infants. They'll eat whatever comes along their way, even if they don't understand it, even if it's false and even if it's not true. A baby in Christ will eat anything. That's why he says to you, don't be a baby in Christ. Don't just eat or drink anything that comes down the road. Just because it's on TikTok, don't make it true. Just because a preacher on TV said it doesn't make it true. Just because Pastor Jody, if I say something, I've always told people, go and read it for yourself in the Word. Make sure I could misquote something up here. You know, when you publicly speak, you misspeak. And I wish people would just, we could learn a lot about this. People in politics and in the church as well, if his humans, we'd say, you know what, they misspoke. And quit trying to hang everybody every time they say something wrong. Sometimes I look at people and go, that's not what the guy meant. Even if he ain't in my party, I go, ah, that's not what he meant. I mean, it's clear as day, it's not what he meant. But instead, it's like, it's a gotcha generation. Oh, yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Ooh, let me tweet about it. So just understand, well, maybe if we just say, I don't think that's what that person meant. Now, if they keep saying over and over again, it's not a gotcha, it's a a you. (laughs) But Paul is saying, don't be an infant. Watch what you're eating. Understand what you've been given. And then he says this in Hebrews chapter 5. I'll put this on the screen for you guys so you can see it. Hebrews 5.12 says, for this time, watch this, as Christians. For by this time, Paul said, you ought to be teachers. There comes a certain point in time in all of our lives where you should be able to be able to teach the gospel. You may not ever preach from a pulpit, but you should be able to communicate the gospel and teach the very elementary truths of God. How do you know that, Pastor Jody? Because Paul says right here, by now you should have been teachers, but you have need again for someone else to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. So that tells me at some point all of us should be able to communicate what uh, Paul says in in Hebrews, and especially in Hebrews 6 and down the fundamental truths of the faith. That we should be able to do that as believers at some point. Then he says, but you have come to need milk and not solid food. Now let that sink in for a moment as a believer. If you're not a Christian in the room right now, just hang tight. But if you're a believer, let that sink in for a moment. You have need now of milk and not of solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a what? A babe. But solid food is for the mature. Because of practice, they have had their senses trained, not just mental, but spiritual senses, to discern good and evil. Discernment. Now, there are some of you in the room, I understand this. There are some of you, take a moment, there are some of you in the room, I understand you have... Now, there is no gift of discernment, just so you know that. That's not in the Bible. There's a discerning of spirits in the Bible, which is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a spiritual gift that is given by God when it's necessary. You just don't operate in it all the time. None of those things in 1 Corinthians 12 are yours. They're gifts of the Holy Spirit. However, there is what we would call a discerning spirit or a discerning heart. And some of you guys have that, more so than others. Like, you walk into a room and tell me. It, raise your hand if this is you. This is just funny. Watch. See? You walk into a room. This will show you the difference in giftings and different things, and, and the way we're all different. But you walk into a room. If you go to the Walmart, you say, "Man, this is just fine. It's this, this, that. No, that's just normal." But if you was to walk down the Halloween section, like how many of y'all? It, it makes you go, like, "Uh, uh-uh, I'm not going down that at all." Look, one. Wait, raise your hand. Here's one, two. Look at all. Let's watch this. It's like this. They're fine. You take them anywhere. But the hot topic at the mall, or whatever it's called now, I don't know, the real, like, you know, there, or you go to, like, maybe it's not there, maybe it's like my wife, we took a trip, and we went down, let's say, if we're going down one street, everything was fine, literally everything. And we get over to one side of the street, this is over in Scotland, and one side of the street where they were talking about all kinds of violence, and just really, just weird stuff, man, she said, I gotta get off the street. I'm walking down the street like why don't we just walk down this street? We're already halfway down the street. Like, she's like, i got to get off this street. She's like, what's wrong with the street? She goes, this just, just bothered me. Like, She has a discerning heart. It just really bothers her. One street over, it was like sunshine and rainbows. She's just fine. Everything's fine. like, how can it be like one street? She's like, I don't know, but that street, there's something wrong down that road. Like, you guys just know. you discern it. Y'all know something's not right, and you just, your heart is showing it. Now, for some of us, maybe that's not, you're not as... Spiritually attuned to that, that's okay. But I would say, listen to the person around you that is. She's told me before stuff like, I just, something don't seem right about this. I say, something don't seem right about what? If you're a Marvel fan, that's called spidey senses. It's like, you're looking at them like, what is it? What is it? I don't know. But they're just like off into somewhere. They know something's wrong. Like, okay, well, do we know what it is yet? Do we know? No. Same time. She'll figure it out in a moment. But you should be able to discern the basics of it between good and evil. Good and evil. How do I know what good and evil is? Well, if you don't know by the word of righteousness first, it's going to be hard to discern on your own. If you can't accept what God says about good and evil, and there's plenty in there for him to talk about. I don't have time to get into it in Ephesians. But if you want to read uh, Ephesians 5, there is plenty to just pick from right there. And if you disagree with that, how will you ever determine it spiritually? If we make excuses for it. And say, well, you know, that's part of the culture now, it's just okay. But it's not okay. And as a Christian, if we excuse it, then then how will we discern later when it's necessary if something is wrong? So there's this discerning. Paul said, they have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Let me just say this, if you need milk still... You have to have someone else feed you. There's nothing wrong with that. Everyone starts out and someone to feed them God's word. But at some point, we're to grow. And you should be able to teach somebody else. At some point. hmm And that means, watch this. If Sunday is your fix for the week, I'm going to be as, about as nice as I can be, but I'm going to be very strong right now. If, if Sunday is your day, and this is all you get, and you're like, man, i I, I got to be here, i got to be here, and I'm glad you're here, and I want you to be here. However, if you say, well, Sunday, that's all I ever know. This is all I ever get. And this is all I understand. It's whatever Pastor Jody says, you're an infant. Now, I love you in Jesus' name, but I'm going to speak the truth to you. And there's nothing wrong with that for a season. But at some point, you have to be able to communicate the fundamental truths of the gospel to other people. How long does that take? Well, it shouldn't take 20 years, I'll tell you that. My thing was you ought to at least be able to communicate some basics pretty quickly. I mean, if we can communicate, my wife communicates and teaches our kids math that I don't even understand because there's so many letters in it I thought math was just have numbers and what I did with math and what I measure when I build things I use numbers she's throwing letters hyphens apostrophes it's like grammatical sentences plus numbers if we can teach children to do that shouldn't we be able to understand some of the basics of God yes so Again, if, if this is all we get, then I hate to say it, I'm just be nice and be, but, but we're infants and we need to grow. Let me just also say this, and then I'm moving on from this one part, and we'll finish reading. If I say that I can only receive from one person, like, you know, we all got our little favorites, nothing wrong with it. Like, we got our pastors, look, we, we love them, and spiritual oversight for our lives, we love them. However... If all I ever told you is Pastor Robert is the only person I could ever listen to. That's it. I'll never listen to anybody else because, no, I just, all I can, know, and you tell me something, somebody else, I know I don't listen to them. I don't listen to that person. You're an infant. Quarrels over people on TV. Why? so and so said it this way, so and so. You're just an infant. And I love you, but I'm going to tell you the truth this morning. Listen to what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 11. For I've been informed concerning you, my brethren, that by Chloe's people, I don't know who Chloe is, but you know what I'm saying? It's her people there. That there are some quarrels among you. I guess Chloe's done told off on him, whoever she was. You know, it's just like, hey, Paul, I got some issues over here. So anyway, there's quarrels among you. Well, what's the quarrels? You would think it'd be over. Man, we got to be righteous. We got to stand for the truth. No, Chloe's people are fighting over this. Verse 12. Now I mean this that each one of you is saying, Paul, now I mean this. That means he's taking it. You remember what it was when you was a kid when mom or dad said, now I mean it. That, you know what that means. That means she's serious. Paul is serious right now. He says, I mean this. Each one of you are saying, I am of Paul, and I am of Paulos, and I am of Caiaphas, and I am of Christ. Paul says, verse 13, Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified with you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? In one place he says this in 1 Corinthians, I believe he does, he says that, the beauty of the gospel goes like this in the body of Christ. That, that I, that Paul, uh, and I always get these backwards. I'm going to see if I get it right. That, uh, that Apollo, Apollos planted, or Apollos watered, but Apollos planted. I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God that gives the increase. And so this is why we shouldn't have infightings over Christian people that we listen to. I planted Apollos watered, but it doesn't matter who planted and who watered because watch this who gave the increase. It was God and we shouldn't have infightings about what we hear or what we read or what we tweet or anything else about that because ultimately it's not about what I preach or what I plant or what I sow. It's about God who is rich and great in mercy, gives us this ability to grow, but it's God that gives the increase. You know, the farmer plants the seed. But before we had irrigation, they prayed to God and asked him for the rain. But even when the rain comes down, who's making the seed grow? I mean, it's sitting there. Have you ever tried to examine a seed and see how it's growing? it's, It's the most amazing thing to see and watch a plant just grow up out of a seed. That's something that God and only God can do. You may plant it, but listen, you don't get credit for it. I may water, but I don't get credit for it. It's God that gives the increase. So, as children of God, He's caused me His sons and daughters, but not His babies. All right, now you still love me? Right? Okay, good. Let's look at verse 19. Let's keep reading. Now, He says, I'm sorry, let's go back to verse um, uh, verse 14. I'll read this to you on the New Living again, and then we'll, we'll keep reading. So he says, why do we not need to be infants? Because then we'll be no longer immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. That word children, verse 14, is actually a young child. A child that's not yet developed. But we've gone from infancy to at least maybe preschool or elementary. But he said, and now you know this about little children. They believe anything you tell them. They'll believe That's why you've got to be careful what you say to children. Because they will believe anything you tell them. Anything. Let me just give you a piece of advice, okay? If you're out and about and you see one of the guys in uniform, or gals in uniform, either one, and when you're out there, um, and I'm talking about a police officer, okay? Good or bad experiences, doesn't matter, okay? But well, watch this. You're out there, and you see somebody in uniform, please, you've got a little baby with you, or a young adult, if you don't look at the police officer and say, if you don't settle down, I'm going to tell him to get you. I'm going to tell him to arrest you if you don't settle down and they're very gracious. you ought to hear what they say, it drives them crazy because they like, first of all, they're not my child. The second of all, I'm not going to get them. I'm here to watch out for them. I mean, homes, they go in to protect kids out of domestic violence, how they've sit there and cried with little babies because they've watched their mom and daddy, not just getting a fight. One of them's laying over there dead and they've had to hold a child until someone gets there from family children's services to, to help with this situation. They've cried. They have seen some of the craziest things, The last thing they want to hear is some parent who can't control their kid at the ketchup aisle. Say, if you don't behave, I'm going to tell him to get you. Don't say that. That's not true. But what a child grows up believing then is what? That police are coming to get me. And that's not true. Consequently, flip it on the other side. Let's just say this. If you're sitting on the TV and one of the preachers come on TV, or something comes on TV like this and that and the other, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's your politics show. Maybe it's this show. Whatever. And you say something that's not true to a child, they will believe it. They believe anything you say. If you don't think that's the truth, come December, watch the little kids and ask them questions about good old Santa Claus. Shall I go through the motions with you? Good old Santa Claus. What does he do? He comes on December 25th giving good gifts to, uh, gifts to good, good little boys and girls. And how does he do that? <laughs> Santa Claus, you know, I mean, he ain't like a Tom Brady. He ain't lean and fit. Santa Claus comes in in a sleigh with, you know, eating candy canes or whatever he does. But Santa Claus, he can go down a chimney pipe. <sighs> Have you ever watched Santa Claus, the movie, Tim Allen? It's great. Have you ever See yeah. it, right? <laughs> and he comes through like magic dust all the kids are like, wow. And if you don't have a chimney, it's okay. Because Santa Claus can make one. And there he comes in the room. But listen, ask how many kids believe that. Oh, it's just, it's just, but it's just good fun. You do whatever you want to. I'm just telling you, kids will believe anything you tell them. Why is that important? A Christian believer that's new in Christ will believe anything you tell them. Anything. So he says, why is this important? Because we need to know the truth so we don't get thrown about by every new wind of teaching. Um, And we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Anyway, all right, look at verse 16. He says this, that he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. He helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. there's verse 17, Paul says... With the Lord's authority, I say this. He means he's saying, I feel very impressed to tell you this by the Lord right now. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. It means as a believer, stand strong in what you believe and don't go back to what you came out of. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. Isn't that true today? Would you agree that you look around and think, there's just no sense of shame anymore? I mean, I, we should, I don't want to condemn people. I don't want to sit there and say, well, you ought to be ashamed. Not that. I'm saying, though, you walk out there in the public, sometimes you think, there's no shame. I mean, we went on a family vacation. I had my little one with me. She met a little friend. They were all hanging out, having a good time. Me and the dad's talking. And here goes this thing taking place here. i will get descriptive, but I'm trying my best at a family pool to... Move them on down the lazy river. Let's just go on down here because there's no shame. Like I don't want to see that. I don't care what it is. I don't see it. it just you, you, that, some things should be behind the closed doors. Can we all get like for real? No shame now. And Paul says, don't fall into that stuff. He says this <clears throat> because they live for lustful pleasure and they eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have learned or since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. This is the question that people ask as a pastor. Verse 19, I'm going to wrap up with these last couple of thoughts. There's all these philosophical questions about Christianity now. And I, I just stay away from it because here's why. You can talk your way around anything you want to and make anything say anything you want to today. So therefore, just let the text say what it says. But the question that people ask, and I read it so I can make sure I said it right, this old question people say, it comes around every so often, can a Christian be, fill in any blank you want to fill in him with, and still be a Christian? Can a Christian be, fill in the blank, whatever you want to, I don't care what you want to pick, it doesn't matter to me, you've heard it all, pick it. Can a Christian be, and still be a Christian? And to me, that's a loaded question. Because no, a Christian can be a Christian. And if we are a Christian, then we're supposed to go to the text that tells us how to be a Christian. Like, if I'm going to be a rocket scientist, I'm going to go to NASA and NASA is going to be a textbook and I'm supposed to follow the instructions on how to put a man on the moon. And if I don't follow that and I deviate and say, well, you know, I know NASA said A and 3 and B and minus 400 and Z and the square root of this and that is going to get a guy on the moon. But I don't know if I agree with that. And since I don't agree with that, I'm not going to do it. And I overshoot the moon, and all the little astronauts that I put in this spaceship now unintentionally are heading to Mars, never to be seen again. You say, well, that's far-fetched. Well, not really, because that's what we're doing in Christianity today. Can a Christian be fill-in-the-blank and still be a Christian? My question is, what do you want to put in the blank? It's funny how some things are acceptable to be in the blank and some things are not, and yet they're all in the Bible. So I always say, "Well, what do you want to put in the blank? Outside of what you want, let's pick something else and put in that blank." Um, uh, can 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 a Christian be a murderer and still be a Christian? Huh? It's an interesting thought, isn't it? So, Pastor, you getting some tough theological stuff today? Well, sure, why not? You know, y'all don't seem like you're that awake, so I might as well. You lost an hour of sleep, so I'm gonna just mess with you a little bit here. You know, you act like you're sleepy. I'm gonna mess with you a little more. So whatever you want to in the blank. Um, you know, can a pedophile... They're a Christian. Can a Christian be a pedophile and still be a Christian? I'm trying to think of anything worse. Pick it and put it in there and then ask the, you ask the question of yourself. My problem with the question is this. Why are we putting something else in the blank? If you're a Christian, then you are a Christian. And by default, my actions should come out of my Christianity, not out of what's in this world that wants to fill in the blank. And if I disagree with anything, I should disagree with what I'm trying to put in the blank and go back to being what? A Christian not deviate from that because this is what Paul says in verse 19 he says they have no sense of shame they live for lustful pleasure to eagerly practice every kind of impurity does that sound like a Christian to you it's okay you can say no you know the answer does it sound like a Christian to you is a Christian going around seeing how much impurity they can get away with do they no I don't know of any that should be doing that You say, well, now you're judging. No, I'm not judging. But my goodness gracious, at some point, Jesus and Paul and everybody else in the Bible that has any kind of influence in your life says, you shall know them by their what? By the fruit. I mean, if you see a bunch of acorns and nuts and flakes falling off of them, I'm telling you right now, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's a bunch of weirdos. But we're so like, oh, I just got to walk in love. No, you're walking in foolishness. Cause you're listening to them convince you that it's okay. And I'm telling you right now, if you're a believer, you might want to read your Bible a little bit more and understand what it is that a Christian is and called to be. We're called to be the salt and the light, not a dim light. Well, let's just barely turn on the lights. So nobody really knows we're Christians. We don't go by the Chick-fil-A cause that would definitely know we're Christian now. Whatever. Let your light so shine before what? All men, Jesus said that they might know that you are his disciples. Not a bunch of little, well, I don't want anybody to know, because if I do, I might get fired from my job. Well, adios. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to rock the boat. I'm not talking about being rude and arrogant and being like loud like I am right now. I'm just saying, you can show the light without being loud. A light doesn't have a voice. A light just illuminates. But Paul and every one of the other teachers that you see in your scriptures tell you this. Christians don't go around trying to practice ungodliness. They try to go around practicing godliness. We try to live for the Lord, man. Do we make mistakes? Yeah. Do we fall short? Yeah. But that's not my goal. Verse 20, Paul says, But this is not what you have learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Paul said this, we are to grow up in Christ to become like Jesus. Verse 24, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. I love this about what Paul says about in 1 Corinthians. If any man is in Christ, watch this, he is a new creation. Behold, he's not talking about the external clothes that you wear, whatever, that's that's your style, whatever. That's, you know, whatever. I put on this this morning because it was easy. I just, you know. But Paul says, The old man, the old woman, that's been done away with. Behold, all things, it's like a breath of fresh air, have been made new. And if I go back into stuff that fills in the blank and make excuses, well, I guess I could be this, and be that's putting on old clothes, man. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away, behold, all things became new. So then Paul, he says, so in case that wasn't clear, in case Pastor Jody wasn't clear, if I was too vague this morning in anything, then listen to your brother, Paul, because brother Paul is about to make it real clear about a number of things. He says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Verse 23, instead, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Verse 25, can a Christian be a liar and still be a Christian? So stop telling lies, even the small ones. Well, it's not a big one. It's a lie. It's a lie. Paul says, stop doing that. Now, if he's, listen, I don't have to go, if he's going to say that about lies, if he thinks lies is a big deal. Don't you think anything else you want to throw in that blank is a big deal to God? It is. So he says, "Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all parts of the same body." That means even when one of your daughters comes to you before she goes out the door and says, "Daddy, does this look good on me?" I've learned this lesson. I see y'all ladies. I think y'all smile so sweet. Y'all think I'm picking. I'm not picking. I'm just saying I'm learning the game. Hey, tell me, honey, does this look good on me? Baby, whatever you wear looks good on you, you know? She goes, that's not what I'm saying. I mean, like, they, they start telling me in my oldest attitude, dad, does this look good? And then she goes, one to ten, dad. One to ten. Where does this fall? Are you kidding me? That's pressure. And every man in this room knows that's pressure, is it not? Just look straight ahead, brother. It's all right. She knows it anyway. Just look straight ahead. Don't make any movements. I get it. That's a lot of pressure. So I sat there and I said, and I'm being honest, as I can be truthful? I said, well, honey, you know I'm not good with style, number one. But I'd say that's between an 8 and a 10 right there. I'm thinking that's probably about where that is. She goes, okay, Dad, okay, good. And I said, but you probably not need to press it or something. I don't know, but, you know, that's probably 8 to 10. I said, but you should go ask your mom because I'm not good with style and I might be saying the wrong thing. Okay, Dad. She goes up over there and asks Haley. And Haley said, it's an eight. I was like, yes. (laughs) But here's what I love about Haley's response versus mine. Haley firmly says, it's an eight. She don't go, it's an eight to a ten. A brother will cover himself just in case. (laughs) And if you hadn't done it yet, my man, you might want to throw you in a couple of digits. If they say, between one and ten, how's this look? Six to ten, that's somewhere in there. So, you know, you got to give yourself some coverage there, man. So stop telling lies, Tell your neighbors the truth. That means tell the truth. If they ask you, does this make me look big, you better just say, i I got to go, I'll be back in a little bit, i got to go somewhere, just run out the door, man. <laughs> it's a hard thing to answer sometimes, man, tell the truth sometimes. But you got to tell the truth. Tell the truth. But we're all parts of the same body. Verse 26. And he says, don't sin by letting anger control you. So these are, these are what we call, are these not kind of small ticket items? Can we all be honest? Would you all agree these are small ticket items? Like lies and, you know, uh, anger. I call them small ticket items. They're not like, I mean, who hasn't gotten angry before, right? I mean, even the people you think don't get angry. Look. They're the ones you watch out for the most. Because if you think they're not, they are... If they ever go off, it's in in the world anyway. But he says... I'll call them small ticket items, okay? He says, though, but don't sin by letting anger control you. Because once it has control of you, it says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives foothold to the devil. Now, that's a little bit bigger ticket. Verse 28, if you're a thief, stop stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. That means, you know, don't, don't sit there and berate people. Like, you know, you don't have to hit them with a baseball bat. You can berate them by telling them they're worthless, no good, sorry, never be anything in life. That, that, that'll crush anybody just as well. So he says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. That means, uh, one translation says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, it means that when the God is producing something in you, um, don't extinguish it. It's like when you light a match or you light a fire, don't put it out, right? Help people, but don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's trying to do something in you by the way that we live. Remember, he has identified you as your own, guaranteeing you that you'll be saved on the day of redemption, This is what I love about this. This is not referring to salvation right here. He's referring to, you have been given a guarantee by the Holy Spirit, you are saved. Now don't extinguish what God is doing through you right now, by the way that we live. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander. That means, you know what, half the people on social media would have to stop right now if they were following Jesus. As well as all types of evil behavior, instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Now, to me, uh, as we leave out today, I, this is what I always go back to. This verse of Scripture, when I'm offended at people. If you can't make allowance for others, if you feel like they hurt you, betrayed you, done you wrong, I want to show you an illustration. This is what I use when people really you know, do me wrong, and I feel like I can't let it go. And let's just be honest. Are there not all times when we feel like we can't let it go? Besides, Pastor Jody, anybody else want to be honest this morning? Like Anybody has done you wrong like a country song and you can't let it go? <laughs> that kind of thing. Am I the only one? Really? Raise right? your yeah, hand. Hop so we know the answer. right? Okay, that's pretty much everybody, right? This is what I do. I go back to this verse of Scripture and I say, God, this is too hard. It's not fair. It's not right. I did, I did nothing. And you want me to be a good little Christian and love them and forgive them and say nice, sweet things about them. Like, I want to punch them in the throat. Like, what? Can I just be honest? That mean I'm going to. That just means I feel like it, right? Okay. And you know though that you're wrong. So what do you do? I can't let it go. It's just bothering me. I go to this verse of scripture. Forgive, even as Christ has forgiven you. You think Jesus ever wanted to punch me in the throat? Oh, how'd y'all agree so quick? That was like that was re- wasn't even fair, man. Like I'm, I'm offended right now. I feel, I feel like I should be offended. Hey, you think he ever wanted to? You don't think he ever looked down on all of us and thought it's not worth it? Because that cat right there, like I want him to be a preacher, but he's going to mess up so many different times along the way. I'm going to have to get him out of so many messes just to get him to that point. I I just, I, I just, it's not worth it. You don't think he ever looked down on all of us and thought? I mean, even if you think you're worth it, you may be that good, right? You might, you don't know, I mean, I might have been. Even you. He looked down. Don't you think he wondered, would we be worth it? I always think about that. Why? Why would you sacrifice your life for me, knowing that I would not do the same? But God, Ephesians tells us, with his great mercy and love, wherewith he loved us came and gave Jesus in the flesh so that we who were in sin might receive the abundance of grace through Jesus Christ and him be the substitute for our sin because he loved us for God so loved you he gave and so this morning as we wrap up with this series and wrap up with this time I'd like for you to close your eyes and just bow your head with me for a moment and I'll lead you through a prayer right here, because um, some of you in this room right now, maybe I just, you know, you came here today and you think, well, you know, Pastor Jody, I, I'm good, but you know what I'm dealing with right now, you know, you don't have any idea. And maybe it was a <clears throat> something on the job they did you wrong. You know, you were supposed to get a promotion, someone else got it, they beat you out because they lied about something, and you were being honest, and therefore you lost it. It happens sometimes. Being honest doesn't mean you're going to win every time. Maybe you're in this room right now and you say, well, you know, it's not right that <clears throat> I push forward with this, the thing that I felt the Lord gave me to do. And it feels like it's, it's working against me. I feel like uh, it didn't work out the way that the Lord said it would. But you, were, you had integrity. You put it on the line, but you had Integrity. But you're here this morning, and whether it's a person or it's God, either one, but you're here and you say, man, I just I feel like I just am having a hard time letting this go. Well, he tells us that forgive one another as Christ also forgave you. So what want you to think about the forgiveness that Jesus has given you, and then I'm going to lead you in forgiveness towards an individual, or it might be towards God this morning. Sometimes people have a hard time forgiving God. They feel like God's to blame for something. And it's a very real thing. And you might think, well, if you're here, you may think, well, I don't see how that... I'm telling you, it's a real thing. Sometimes people feel like the Lord has done them wrong or He's hurt them. And uh, you need to forgive God this morning. Um, it's a very real thing. It's a very real thing. You can feel that way. And so I'm going to lead you through this prayer right now. And I just want you to keep your eyes closed. And as we pray, I just want you to... Uh, just repeat this after me. The whole church will pray this, but I just want to repeat this to me and I'll lead you through the Lord's Prayer in a moment if you need to be saved as well at the end of this. But I I just really sense right now, just in just a moment, I want you to think about the forgiveness of Jesus and I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And everybody, I want you to pray this with me right now. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, I come to you in your mighty name and I ask you today to help me to forgive this individual. Lord, you see what has happened. You are very aware of my situation. And God, it hurt. But I'm giving it to you today. And I'm asking you to help me forgive them. In Jesus' name, I release them and I forgive them I put them in your hands, in your name. And today, I ask you, Lord, to save me, to forgive me of all my sin. I turn to you today, and I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you today. Church, right? Give me a hand, would you? <clears throat> and then um hey would y'all do me a favor i want to pray real quick before we go um uh this family that my friend has had they've been battling this with their little baby with cancer and uh they've asked us to pray we got like all of our church in our network all just praying for this family right now i told you about last week but it's just tumors and stuff that's and you guys know this like we pray for you and we'll have prayer ministry teams will be down front here in a moment uh but would y'all just pray with me right now and those of you on the prayer team we all come down front as we pray everybody else can just stand up but just we're going to pray for them right now, and um, as our prayer team comes down front, and you need prayer at the end of church, you can come down front as well. We'd love to pray for you, but just as they're coming, would y'all just join with me right now and pray for this little baby right now. The, the little baby's not even, you know, they're still infant, an infant little baby, okay? But let's pray right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we come to you, Lord, and we ask you to help this little baby. God, would you help? Him? Lord, recover from this. Lord, the doctor's doing all that they know to do, God, that they're getting the treatments, they're getting the the cancer treatments, the chemo, all the different things they are working with right now, Lord. But you see uh, what they are up against, Lord. And we know that you're able to do great and mighty things, Lord. And we know that you are a healer. We know that, God, we've seen miracles before. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you, Lord. God, would you please join with these physicians, Lord? Come alongside, Lord. Do what only you can do, Lord, and do a great miracle for this baby. Lord, we just put them in your hands. We ask you, Lord, to heal the tumors, remove those things from his body, Lord, the digestive system, all the areas that they're looking at, Lord. Help, Lord, in the name of Jesus, and intervene, Lord, like only you can, in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. We thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank y'all for praying with them. Would y'all please just keep lifting them up in prayer uh, this week? And you don't need to know their name. It's not, it's not like that. But um, I just want you to just be praying for them. And if you need prayer, obviously Gary's going to close out the service for us today. But if you need prayer for anything, come on down front. As uh, Gary Majestic, we all welcome him here this morning as he closes out today.
1: Thank you, Pastor. Boy, that's such a good message from Ephesians that we need to give allowance for each other's faults did you realize you have a fault too I have a fault we all have faults don't we give each other a little a little slack um, just want to thank you for your giving your generosity know pastor said last week um, we wanted to make October finish strong and we did so thank you for your faithfulness just want to remind you that you can give there's offering boxes in the back of the church on the way out and give online um, or you can text to give as well so I'll let you uh, thank you for your generosity. Um, Prayer partners are up here after service. If you guys need anything uh, for somebody to agree with you in prayer, come up and meet one of these folks up here. Uh, Also, the 19th of November, we're going to decorate for Christmas. That's uh, two weeks from yesterday. So if you have a lot of Christmas spirit and a lot of Christmas cheer, um, like Elf, um, make sure you come that day, uh, sign up. They're going to be food, fun, and we're going to decorate the church up. So sign up for that. Um, finally, uh, Catch the Vision is after church. If you sign up for that, um, meet up here about 10 minutes after service. If you haven't signed up and you want to know what Cornerstone's about, um, what our background is, kind of where we came from, who we are today, and how you can be a part of it, uh, stay after church for about 45 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes, and learn about the church. So, um, as always, we going to send you out with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Thanks for being here today. Have a great week. We hope you were blessed by today's
0: message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.